customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, June 29th. A happy holiday weekend in advance to uh, everyone here. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston. Going to be talking about backfields for the most part uh, on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Last week, we talked about some of the more confounding wide receiver situations. This week, we talk about backfields. And it's really a ton of fun at this position, right, guys? I mean, do we want to get in? on the zero RB discourse that has been just dominating the uh, fantasy football world over the last couple of weeks? Do we want to get into that pedantic uh, sphere of our little corner of the universe, or can we just take a pass on that? Take a pass. I already covered in the mailbag. It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I could... It's coming in hot to start, Jake. I like it. Uh, no, I was yeah, just right? excited to talk about this Texans backfield for a little bit. Let's just really let it breathe a little bit today. What do you think? Right. Should we just do that? Should we just do like 40 minutes on the Texans and then get out of here? 20 minutes specifically on Mark Ingram and what he brings to the Houston offense. I would do it if we just decided if we did it that we wouldn't have to talk about them ever again until <laughs> September. <laughs> just rip the band-aid of the Houston exactly. Texans offense right off here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are not going to do that. We are going to talk about the Houston Texans among some other backfields. And we're also going to uh, dive into some rule wrinkles, things like that. And of course, you know, we can't not get things started without doing a Guess That Player. We've been having so much fun with it the last few weeks, so we are going to do one more round of Guess That Player here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We're going to start right there, guys. Clue number one for Guess That Player on this episode. Going quarterback. We haven't done a quarterback yet. We've done some wide receivers. We've done a running back. Haven't done a quarterback yet. So first clue, I am one of six quarterbacks who has two wide receivers among the top 24 in ADP I already for know the 2021 is. season. Oh, Jake already knows <laughs> no, who it is. No, just because I have, a fe- I have a feeling where your mind would go when you start with that, and I can think of most <laughs> of these, and I have, a, I just have a uh-huh. feeling where you go. We'll see if I'm right. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, write it down, actually. Write it down right now. Okay. So you can hold it up at the end of the show when we get to uh, clues two and three. But that first clue, Wait, just have it abbreviated here on the screen, but there are six quarterbacks who have two wide receivers among the top 24 in ADP. This guy who we're talking about here today is 
one of them. And with that, let's start talking about these running backs. We have we're, we're, what we're going to do here is we're going to focus on new look backfields that are going to have some sort of split. Maybe it's two guys involved, maybe it's three guys involved, and it's new look backfields. We're not going to get into Baltimore with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. We already have a feel, sort of, of how that's going to go. But these are totally new look, new pairings, new trios, whatever the case might be. And we're just going to ruminate on how these ones might play out. The first one that I want to get into is Las Vegas, where the Raiders made, I think what all of us were surprised by, in the offseason acquisition, bringing in Kenyon Drake, pairing him with Josh Jacobs. Funston, I want to say you are the fantasy industry's biggest Josh Jacobs supporter. So we're going to go to you first on this one. What do you do with Josh? And what do you do with Kenyon Drake, for that matter? These guys have, I think, relatively interesting ADPs for both of them. NFFC ADP over the last two weeks uh, is filtered for just June 15th through today. 42.86 for Josh Jacobs, 9839 for Kenyon Drake. Jacobs, I think, is the more interesting one because he's the more expensive one. So how do you treat Josh Jacobs with Kenyon Drake in that backfield now? Yeah, so, I mean, you're doing the overall ADP, and I, I think it matters, you know, kind of where he lands at the running back position. I'm just looking at NFC data. You know, he's about RB21. I, I think the Kenyon Drake signing is fair that he drops. I mean, obviously, he's giving up more touches this year than he's than he would have to Devonte uh, Booker if Booker was still there, or Jalen Rashard if if it was Jalen Rashard. Obviously, there's a little bit more of a meaningful meaningful split here, but this is an offense that had a backfield that touched the ball nine less times than the Cleveland Browns last year, and Nick Chubb is going solidified in the top ten, and Cream Hunt's going about where Josh Jacobs is going now, and I just think that the, the market overcorrected for the Kenyon Drake signing that he that Jacobs is still going to have. You know, the ability to go somewhere between 250 and 300 touches and Kenyon Drake can push, you know, somewhere in the 150 to 200 touches and Josh Jacobs can still be a potential top 15, a mid-level RB2, whereas everybody in, in, you know, in the ADP right now is kind of viewing him as a back-end RB2. And I, I just think... Uh, you know, people are overreacting a little bit to Kenyon Drake. So, uh, you know, I know Jake, you're probably a little bit less bullish than I am on, on Josh Jacobs. So uh, feel free to counter on that. But I just think there's still going to be plenty of opportunity for Josh Jacobs. And he's, you know, the whole idea that he can, can move the needle in terms of receptions is done. I mean, I get that, but th- that just makes him Nick Chubb. It makes him Derrick Henry. It doesn't make him on a level and overall, but it makes him in, in the same kind of, you're looking at him with the same kind of lens as those kind of guys that don't really bring a whole lot of upside in the passing game. Yeah. Well, uh, can we get live show sidebar here? I don't think we should be honestly, like, just tell me I, I can get outvoted. I don't think we should be using NFFC honestly, because that's what not most people are drafting against. I know that's, I think that's the second thing we should go to. That's like, Hey, look at what the high stakes, got- what, it's got the most drafts, though. It's got the most data available. Not not while you're talking about if you had the fantasy football calculator. The one that I sent, the Yahoo, the Yahoo fan tracks and calculator combined. Yeah, but how many people there – there aren't a ton of drafts happening there yet. No. Nope. We'll, 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 we'll go to that when we get a little more data, when we get more drafts happening on those sites. No, they but wait. Those, they wait the, until they have a couple thousand. Data. Well, what's – so I'm looking at the month no, of June on no, NFC and it's – okay, go ahead. Because here's my point is what Brain is talking about because the average everyman – and that's not disrespectful, but there aren't mm-hmm. even what we're talking to here on a fantasy football show. 
I don't play in the high stakes because I don't want to drop that kind of money on fantasy football, yeah. like maybe for fantasy baseball because it's more in my control, but I'm not going to put that. It's just like we're talking to 1% of the people that go to those drafts, and that's why I'm saying that. So like you used the one that I sent you guys last night. For what Brandon is talking about, Josh Jacobs is a hand in RB2. He's, he's 14th at running back overall, 27th, or 27th overall overall. Uh, and I think that's more indicative of how the common man feels and like the average, like the uh, us, like that's actually, if you ask me off the top of my head, where do you think Jacob should be? I'm with you, Brandon. I think that's a little high. I'd put him behind Dobbins, right behind him. You guys know that uh, mm. I would take Najee Harris in <laughs> yes. front of him. I'd probably go Chris Carson because his only issue is health. And, but that really moves him down to what your point was. Brandon is a mid RB two. I think mid RB two is fine. I think Kenyon Drake is more of his backup than his compliment. I think he could see some passing game work, but everybody's dismissing the fact Jalen Rashard's still there. I would have been concerned about Josh Jacobs in the passing game, even if they didn't add Kenyon Drake, because they refused to use Josh Jacobs in the passing game. So if anything, maybe just reference both. How about that? Like yeah. we just reference both just because it kind of <laughs> well, gives Can we you, combine like, them? Because that's where I have Josh Jacobs ranked as the 17th at RB, which is really kind of a combination of the two, you know, yeah. right. Like the well, no, I think it's smart because what you're saying, Beller, is like, yeah, there are more. And again, that's where the high stakes guys are trying to think ahead and get ahead of the pack. Mm. But this will kind of give you at least both sides. Of it. So we'll just bring up both. I don't say like dismiss right. either one. We can start. We can start looking at both. I just wanted to, you know, with, with it being as early still in the fantasy football right. calendar as it is, I just wanted to have the most entry points, the most data. And points that's fine. That I just feel like have. that's not. I don't feel like Josh Jacobs is really going that low. In, in yeah. honestly, like in like your normal dress, even the, com- the couple magazine right. mocks I've done, he hasn't fallen that far. Yeah. Yeah, and I do think that I do agree with you that you're probably going to see him go a little bit higher in a standard draft. But just good to think about him and just understand that where things could be headed with Kenyon Drake taking some sort of bite out of that backfield. And, you know, we, we, we used up a lot of the time we had allotted for uh, the Vegas backfield to talk about ADP favorability so we're going to move on to the next backfield but maybe we'll get back to those guys as we go on through the show maybe there'll be some references to them I actually want to talk about the Jets because they have one of the largest spreads between their you know their first back who is selected and their second back who's selected and Michael Salfino wrote an interesting piece for us looking at that and using that sort of data of where RB1 for a team is selected versus where RB2 and can we find value there? And so I'm just going to go to NFFC just because I already have it written down off the top of my head. Uh, Michael Carter in NFFC drafts is just barely inside the top 80 by ADP. You have to go 100 picks later to find Tevin Coleman. And I know the spread's not going to be a- as wide when we factor in Yahoo and we factor in Fantrax, mm. but the main point here is it's a big gap between Michael Carter, the rookie, and Tevin Coleman coming over to the Jets. So the question here, Jake, is Michael Carter the man for the Jets? Is there some sneaky value in him where you're seeing him go right now in early drafts? You already know this. We, we, we already did this post-draft, and you know how much I like Michael Carter and the fact that one of the things people like to go back to that conversation, which we had if people didn't listen to those shows, is that Michael Carter kind of partly was overshadowed because of how good Javante Williams was. People don't realize the numbers that Michael Carter put up on his own, where even if you just took out Javante Williams and just Michael Carter didn't do anything more than he did, a lot more people would have been talking Mm -hmm. about him just as a whole. And if you watched him play and the comparison I made is he's not a bell cow like Williams. He, you don't want him touching the ball 20, 25 times a game. You're going to get him killed. There's some running backs also from an efficiency standpoint, when we were pounding the table forever for Lamar Miller to get more touches with the dolphins and he leaves the dolphins and he's basically putting up the same numbers on more touches because he got less efficient. Mm -hmm. Michael Carter 
has the upside of Austin Eckler. And that's the fact. That's the truth. That's how talented he is. And if you look at Austin Eckler, doesn't like barely ever gets to 20 touches in a game. He doesn't need it. And I know the Jets aren't the Chargers offense, but a great offensive line now. Like this has been a steadily improving offensive line that was already probably top 10. And then you add Moses and now you say like, wow, they just they, they just have depth on top of it. Uh, why I said maybe not is because I'm looking at the average ADP over here and Michael Carter is almost 80 picks difference from Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman's free right now. So as much as I'm drafting Carter, and I think Carter is still way undervalued in drafts, like I'm willing to take Carter in the seventh, eighth round. And if people start jumping in the seventh, eighth round, I'll jump to the sixth or seventh. I'll put it this way. The break point for me for Michael Carter is probably the fifth round. I think he's going to be an RB2 as a rookie. That being said, I'm also drafting Tevin Coleman whether or not I have Carter because in case I'm wrong, in case Tevin Coleman shows up and shows out in the preseason and he has the job to start because he is the vet, he's free. He can be your last pick and then you can almost hedge your bets or even if you don't own Carter, you take that flyer. Yeah, I'm every bit as bullish as Jake on Michael Carter. I've been getting him at RB26 and I feel totally fine in drafts taking him right there. And I've, I've I'm expecting at some point I'm going to have to start going a little bit higher. But, you know, you start getting into you start getting into Travis Etienne, James Robinson, James Conner, Ch- Chase Edmonds, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. Like, I just would say, you know what? I'm going to bet on Carter getting at least the touches that Jake's talking about, enough that he can be, yeah. you know, max efficient. And it's it's there for him. And I loved his film. I, for as small as he is, he's he's amazing between the tackles. Amazing vision and just a slippery ability to get through uh, the weeds. And and I just think you know Tevin Coleman's a guy at this point. He's just he's just you know he's somebody who has some institutional knowledge that they are able to bring in. But once Michael Carter is, is comfortable, I think they're going to give him the touches that he needs. And it's not going to be twenty touches per game, but if he gets to fifteen. Uh, taking him at RB26 is going to be a steal in my mind. Yeah, Tevin Coleman, totally useful for a real-life team in a real-life context, right? He's got plenty of value in that way, not in the way we really talk about in the fantasy world. Michael Carter, someone who could take over that job and really run away with it. And just to give you a sense with what uh, Jake said, with the NFFC being the high-stakes market and how that's going to differ from just your regular drafts, you do have uh, Michael Carter down, <clears throat> excuse me, around pick number 130, by ADP when you're factoring in Yahoo fan tracks way up around pick number 80 when you're just looking at NFFC. So think about the direction that Michael Carter could be headed in as we get really into draft season. Here you go, Funston. Houston Texans. Woo! Look at this team. David Johnson, <laughs> Philip Lindsay, Mark yeah. Ingram, Rex Burkhead is on the <laughs> roster right now too. I mean, yeah, I mean, Jay, Jake's pretty much got this right. But like, you know, David Johnson's going in so comfortably inside the top 100. Philip Lindsay's going just barely outside, but maybe not just barely, but a round or so outside the top 100. So we're talking about guys who are 100% drafted, and in Johnson's case, what we're like a like a sixth, early seventh round pick in 12 team leagues. I mean, is is this just a stay away backfield for you, Funston? Is that why you you uh, lob the derision at it that you do? <laughs> I don't. I just don't know what they're doing. I mean. You know, they, and they had they brought in Mark Ingram. And then they felt like they had to go out and, and bring in Rex Burks, Burkhead as well. Like they're just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. But I think what ultimately ends up happening is if David Johnson stays healthy, he's the guy that you want, and he might end up being a value um, because if you think about the, how mm-hmm. this team is is set up, they're going to probably be terrible on defense again, um, and they're going to want the guy out there that's going to be you know most proficient. In the, 
proficient in the passing game, which is David Johnson. That's been a problem with Philip Lindsay. He can't get into the game on passing downs, you know. So are they going to be in a position where Philip Lindsay can really make a hard run at David Johnson? I, I don't know with the way this team is constructed if that's going to work out very well. So I'm sort of like – Okay, I don't really want to touch this backfield, but I'd be in on David Johnson at um, you know, what's his ADP right now? It's uh at RB40 and yeah, good. RB40 M- yep. and FFC. I mean, I think with his receptions upside, I think he could be a steal there at 40. So, um his ADP in when you when you're throwing in everything is just outside the top 80. And so I ask you, Jake, I mean, can we buy into that as ugly as things were for him last year? He was above a thousand yards from scrimmage. He scored nine touchdowns. He did that in 12 games. Obviously, we don't know what the case is going to be with Deshaun Watson. And if he's not there, that's going to change the outlook for the Houston offense in a big way. But I mean, at that ADP, if you're sitting there thinking pick number 80 or so, I've got to get in on David Johnson if I want him. Can you buy into that? Uh, maybe a pick 80, but there's running backs behind him. I'd still take, uh, right now, ETN still going in the, again, I'm looking at the consensus versus the NFFC, but ETN is behind him. Uh, you know what? I'd honestly, as much as we've been annoyed and this is the back, this is the Patriots backfield now, but the one thing about the Patriots backfield is that one's starting to clear up. I'd rather take a chance that Damian Harris is finally a guy in that new, not newish offense, but kind of like, it's not the same as like James White, Damian Harris. Sonny Michelle looks like he could be done for at this point with how he's playing last year. But of course, Sonny Michelle in the mix would change things. If Stevenson gets touches, that could be the Patriots all over again. But at least I know Damian Harris has more juice left in his legs. David Johnson, with all these other pieces, just feels like they know he can't handle 20 touches. He's broken at this point. Like he's just, he's a Todd Gurley, honestly. Like, what's the difference between David Johnson and Todd Gurley? David Johnson has a job. That's really the difference right now. <laughs> so, at, you know, at 80, I'd be like, okay, fine. Uh, fortunately, the way that I draft, to go back to what you started the show with, is I, you know, Bell Cal elite running back, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't, I've never had to take, I've never been at the situation where it's like, man, I got to get a running back. I better take David Johnson here. I'm usually out at this range of all these guys of the Tampa Bay guys uh, that just mentioned the Patriot guys in Arizona. And I know we're going to talk about some of these, but I just rather be out. And if you're going to go the cheapest, like we used to with the Patriots, take Philip Lindsay. You're right, Brandon. But the one <laughs> thing we know about Philip Lindsay is before Denver started baffling us, he was used in the passing game. He was doing fine. He was good in the passing game. And then Denver just stopped. Um, so I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked if Philip Lindsay is the most consistent because David, like similar to James White when he was with the Patriots, but you know a little, a few more rushes, a little fewer pass attempts, rush or pass uh, receiving <laughs> pass attempts. I guess. <laughs> I want to take us over to the Jaguars for a second because I think this one's going to be really interesting. And Jake, this is actually why I, I forgot about this, but this is why I like using the NFFC data because the one you sent us pulls in NFFC data going all the way back to February. And so they have a ADP for Travis Etienne of 101. And obviously that's nowhere near what his actual ADP is going to be. Which one are you looking at? Are you on half point PPR? 101. I'm, yeah, I'm in half PPR. Click on the running back. Either way, we know on 81, 101, it's going to be much higher than that. It's going to be much <laughs> higher than that. And so if you're just looking at the last two weeks on NFFC, you've got Travis Etienne at 45 and a half, okay. higher than Chris Godwin, higher than Deontay Johnson, higher than Lamar Jackson. You've got James Robinson sitting at 61 and a half. So still like... Not like you're getting a huge discount. Obviously, a big discount on where he was a year ago and what he produced a year ago, but we know what ETN's going to bring to that offense and especially the presence he's going to bring to that offense. So still a fifth-round pick, a late fifth, very early sixth on tra- on James Robinson. Doesn't feel like much of a discount. Um, like, 
when I look at that, Jake, I see two guys who I feel are maybe both a tiny bit overvalued. What do you look at when you see those two uh, ADPs attached to these guys? Yeah, a bit overvalued, of course. We talked about it during the rookie time and said that Etienne is a lesser version of Alvin Kamara, but James Robinson's a better version of Latavius Murray. So, you know, you can get RB3, potential RB2, low-end RB2 value out of James Robinson and Etienne mid to high RB2, but you're paying that price right now. So, you know, it's, I don't even say it's necessarily like overpriced as it is maybe properly priced. And it's just, it's a reasonable cost, but you're kind of not getting any discount for the risk associated. There is risk here. We, we should understand. I think everybody understands there's risk. Mm-hmm. There's risk with the running backs that Robinson is the lead and Etienne is what Urban side after the draft, which he would be bonkers to do what he did in the draft and take a guy who's only going to be the pass catching third down specialist. Yes. But <laughs> let's understand that that's a possibility. Like it's a possibility that ETN is Camara like and James Robinson barely sees the field like Latavius Murray unless ETN gets hurt. There's a possibility mm. that they both just cannibalize each other and they're low end RB2s together, fringe RB3s, and the volume's all in the passing game. So it's there should be. A lower cost for the risk where it is it's still it's a reasonable cost I just I haven't been drafting either of them and I like both of them I'm kind of the same I just I, I won't I'm sure I will not have them on uh, you know yeah. I mean at ATN and priced at RB 22 right now in the month of June on NFC FC, like I can't pay that price for the unknown of what Jake said that he could just mm-hmm. be a third down guy and look at Urban Myers going out there and saying Trevor Lawrence isn't ready yet. I mean, the guy's crazy. Who knows what Urban Meyer, the Urban Meyer experience is going to be. And there, you know, I'm not going to pay at the top end of potential for ETN given all the unknowns that are going on in Jacksonville right now. It's not like they've just got some nobody backing up Trevor Lawrence, right? (laughs) I mean, it's not like there's just some no-name dude who can't go out there and, and move the ball and win some games. So Teeing you up, Jake. I, He's teeing you yeah. up. Just going to sit quiet on <laughs> the, that one? <laughs> that Ur- Urban Meyer experience. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be a fun one. But, yeah, I mean, right now, if these, if these two guys go into draft season in earnest where they are, I got a feeling that I'm going to have plenty of DJ Chark, plenty of Marvin Jones, and really nothing of this backfield. That might Graham? be a little bit different. What? What's up? You said and Ernest. Ernest Graham. In Ernest. In Ernest. Hey, Ernest Jake. Graham was hot stuff sometimes... for about six weeks. <laughs> you know what's going to be hot stuff? The Denver backfield. I think that's going to be hot stuff. We talked about this a little bit last week in a bonus episode we did uh, for Apple. But here I want to talk about it in a more uh, wider audience. We've got Melvin Gordon. We've got Javante Williams. This is an interesting split to me, you guys. I think that this is one with where you're seeing these two guys go about a round later from ETN for Javante Williams, about two rounds later for Melvin Gordon compared with James Robinson. Like, this is where I can start getting on board with what we expect to be a split backfield, especially with Melvin Gordon down at that 81 and a half spot. I mean, I don't know if that's going to really be too bad of a place to take him, even understanding what Javante Williams is going to bring to the table here. What do you look at with this Broncos backfield, Brandon? Uh, I look at, I mean, I'm, I'm getting a lot of Javante Williams. I'm buying in. Look at, I, I saw what happened in, in Baltimore last year with Mark Ingram. These guys can mm-hmm. age out as running backs quickly. Um, sure. I will say though, you know, for Denver to move up and get Javante Williams and use the premium top, you know, top of the end, uh, round two pick almost feels like they maybe should have 
kept Philip Lindsay and, and and cut Melvin Gordon at some point. You know, if you're mm-hmm. looking at you know salary cap and all that stuff ramifications. But I just you know I think it's just a matter of time. The Jaws music is in Melvin Gordon's ear on Javante Williams, <laughs> and there's going to be a change in the guard at some point this year. Sounds like by all counts that Javante Williams is looking great. And I this is no this is no diss on Melvin Gordon. I'm sure these guys can actually work decently and, and share a load decently but i just think at some point we're going to see melvin gordon kind of age out as the and in, in, into quarter, sort of a, a backup role in in 2021 right, he might already know that and that's why yeah. he still hasn't shown up mm-hmm. so you know like i i put this out there when we talked about it and i said i thought javante williams would be the guy by week six seven eight somewhere around there a uh, third of the way, halfway through the season. And because he is the better running back, just, you know, overall talent standpoint, you know, last year was the first, only the second time that Melvin Gordon had, you know, averaged over four yards per carry, which I know that yards per carry stat, I'm the one who always says that's a, it's a fake-ish stat. You got to look, dig deeper. And part of the reason was because of their offensive line is still pretty strong, you know, but that's a testament to Melvin Gordon still. Like when you have that many years of not being able to get four yards of carry, that's, that does carry some weight. And I think Melvin Gordon said this on saw this on top of what you just said, Brandon. You don't move up. It's not just they took a premium mm-hmm. pick on a running back. They moved up, which tells me they wanted Williams, which tells me they're ready for Melvin Gordon to be done, which Melvin Gordon, in all intents and purposes, is done after this year anyway with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. So I think that if he's bitter, he's just opening the door. If the door is already open, but he's just pushing it further open for Javante Williams to continue to show up in OTAs, then training camp. And as lo- the longer Melvin Gordon sits out, I think you move up the week that Melvin, that uh, Javante Williams takes over. Remains one of the odder signings, I feel like, over the last few years that they went out and did what they did to gelt Melvin Gordon a year ago after the success that Philip Lindsay had already had. And now we see it again, trading up with that to get to use a premium pick on Javante Williams. It feels like it, the, the Broncos wouldn't mind having a mulligan on that entire uh, uh, Melvin Gordon signing. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, guys, we'll bring you back in here. Let's try to get through these ones quickly because we got a lot of stuff I still want to talk about here. I want to go to Detroit where we find DeAndre Swift still going late second, early third round. We've got Jamal Williams there. Uh, Jamal Williams' lot in life seems to be to muck up NFC North running back situations. He did it in Green Bay. Now he's doing it in Detroit. We know, I think, basically what to expect from Jamal Williams. But with DeAndre Swift going where he is still going, my question to you, and uh, Brandon, why don't you take this one first? Is DeAndre Swift overvalued right now? 
This is something where the the sharks and Joe Public are aligned. I, I see Swift as like RB sixteen in both lists. Uh, I'm down mm-hmm. at like RB nineteen or twenty. Like I I I'm the one who will always say bet on talent. And Jamal Williams is a fine running back, and he's the kind of real guy that I think guy, it, yep. yeah, real life guy. But like ultimately, and especially this comes back to like the David Johnson thing. Like how what's the Lions situation going to be? They're going to be in a, in a position to you know to move move the chains with Jamal Williams or are they going to want DeAndre Swift on the field a lot in the passing game and in Jared Goff's kind of wheelhouse short you know short and intermediate range mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so i just think DeAndre Swift's going to be the better back by a long shot but it does i do think Jamal Williams is going to be a bigger thing than i initially thought when he went there so i've moved DeAndre Swift at, uh down a few spots in my running back ranks yeah, we can, like you said, we could do it quickly on this one because I've at nauseum talked about this. He's in my breakout ar- article and still said that he's overvalued at the same time. He can be both. He can have a, he <laughs> right, can have a breakout right. season, but the biggest mm-hmm. issue is like not only the people will talk about, oh, they're going to be passing a lot. Well, guess what? Jamal Williams is one of you know, the best pass blocking running backs in the league, which doesn't mean that DeAndre Swift is going to always be the guy. So, and Jared mm-hmm. Goff, dead last the last two years throwing to running backs. So, Again, I'm sure he can do better too, Jared Goff, but you know, <laughs> right. RB 18, 17, 19 in that range is a fair spot of where he should be. And can, can I say yeah. something really quick? Is I think that I the, guess. the running back position through at least 20 is really strong. And in that 20 mm-hmm. or so, there's very there's not a ton of guys that are giving away a lot of carries. So the guys that do, they have to move down. Like it, it's it's really hard when it becomes when you're mm-hmm. looking at volume to take a guy like DeAndre Swift and put him ahead of someone like David Montgomery, who is going to get the ball a ton, you know? So it's just it's no no slide on Swift or talent. You should have said Mike Davis so he could have transitioned to the next one. <laughs> That's exactly That's what I was going to do. That's a great call. I have Mike Davis <laughs> in front exactly of Swift as well. That's exactly what I so. was going to do. Fudston, why don't you take this one away? Because is Mike Davis in that group? I mean, can he run away with the job in Atlanta? And what I want to put to you guys is that in my mind, I sort of think of Mike Davis. I mean, what we got Quadri Allison behind him. I think of him as, you know, maybe this year's. James Robinson. And I think when we look for guys like that, like we try to follow the archetype too closely. I don't think this year's James Robinson needs to necessarily be some undrafted free agent rookie who, you know, runs away with his team's job. And why I think Mike Davis is sort of a this year James Robinson is because he could be on a bad team. And we are often afraid of running backs on bad teams. But James Robinson just had what, like the RB7 season on a team that went one in 15. So it's doable to have a very good season. As a running back on a bad team, I feel like Mike Davis can maybe be that guy. He showed us a whole lot in Carolina filling in for Christian McCaffrey. Is he in that top 20 solid group for you, Funston? Yeah, the reason why he's not James Robinson because the secret's out on Mike Davis. And and James Robinson, you could have picked up in week one in a lot of leagues. You know, people Mm -hmm. weren't sure. I think everybody's in on Mike Davis. I mean, who? Kadri Olsen? Jake likes Javian Hawkins. I like him, but he's an undrafted rookie. And we're t- talking about, you know, speculating that he could have a big role in the passing game, potentially be like a Naheem Hines or something. But really, it's Mike Davis or Bust in this backfield. I mean, Kadri Olsen's been around. Yeah. They were willing to go with arthritic knee Todd Gurley and give, you know, kick the tires on him one last time over Kadri Olsen. If they had a whole lot of faith in him as, as a main guy, uh, they would have showed it a long time ago. So I, I just think this is Mike Davis's. You know, he's going to be, if he can stay healthy, one of the bigger workloads in the NFL. And so he's not James Robinson because he's already pushing his way into the top 20 at the RB position. Yeah, he should be in the top 20. Uh, Really, we've also seen he's a good pass catcher. We just saw that last year, stepping in Christian McCaffrey's role. So 
you don't have to worry about him coming off the field that much as much as yeah i can like javian hawkins let's be honest like as much as i can like him as much as the next guy undrafted free agent is what brandon said there's no guarantee he's even on this team like that it's that's still out there to be done because there's you know they brought in cordell patterson to mix into there we have to decide to go with caleb huntley instead who is also undrafted free agent and decide to go with more of the you know between the tackles type of guy decent pass catcher but not javian hawkins so Still not a factor. Mike Davis can be a 20-touch guy in this offense. Uh, Edo Smith is gone. Brian Hill's gone. Edo Smith actually still doesn't even have a team. So, yeah, Mike Davis right now. But Brandon mentioned the one thing I did want to say is I can see Mike Davis's cost getting too high because the industry keeps pounding the table saying this is disrespectful, this is disrespectful. If he starts pushing top 16, 15 running backs – now again, similar to what we were talking about, the Jags, Jags backs is there's you're not leaving any room for the risk. There's still risk because Mike Davis has only been the guy for essentially a half season. You know, what if Mike Davis is just not a one year wonder, but you know, fell into a great situation and this isn't as good for him. Like uh, being a bell cow, he's not good at. Who rises more between now and August 29th, uh, Mike Davis or Miles Gaskin? Mike Davis. Um, well, where is Mike Davis at right now? Because I'm sorry, this is not really quick, but like, <laughs> you suck. Right yeah. Now. I mean, I'm just looking at NFC data. He's Miles Davis Gaskin is behind. Is yeah. Yeah. My, I'm, I'm with Jake. Yeah. If Davis is All behind right. Gaskin, then I'm, I'm down with that. Davis is going to leapfrog Gaskin. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I'm going to write that down. I'm keeping a running total of these things. I'm going to write that one down for sure. Davis jumps Miles Trevor Gaskin Lawrence. according to Jake. Trevor Lawrence, number Let's one quarterback get- overall period. Trevor Lawrence, number one overall quarterback (laughs) period. He's not ready yet, Jake. Etching that one in stone. How about Arizona? Chase Edmonds, James Conner. Here's the breakdown with these two guys. In the everyman ADP, we've got Chase Chase Edmonds, 61 by ADP. James Conner, 91 by ADP. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know right there. I will. I am in on Conner and out on Edmonds pretty easily. Where are you guys at on this, Jake? Take it first. It should be reversed. Period. It should be reversed. And and with like a, like not a significant gap, but a decent gap. Chase Edmonds. This is another one where you feel like we're doing the Kristen Michael. Sorry, Brandon, but you know, (laughs) like that. And like the Jeff Janices of the world, like all these like guys where people get infatuated with them. Andre Ellington. Yeah. See the potential that they have. And you look, I was a Chase Edmonds supporter as well. I never thought, I, I will say this, you can go back and look. I never thought he should be the lead of a backfield. I thought he could make mm-hmm. a nice timeshare in a 60-40 split. Some of the Lindsay, back when he was an RB2, splitting the backfield in Denver. Like, that's the role yep. of Chase Edmonds. He's not the lead guy. James Conner, the only reason that Chase Edmonds is getting the love is because he's performed some games, and people are somehow playing this, like, mind game of backing out mm-hmm. all the bad games he had. And then want him to have the backfield because James Conner's been hurt so much. Yes, James Mm Conner's likelihood of staying healthy for all 17 games is very slim. I would have made the same bet on him staying healthy as I would for Todd Gurley last year. Probably you got to give me 100 to 1 odds. But Mm -hmm. that being said, that's why you draft Chase Edmonds as one of the best backups, not the lead guy. That's the problem. He's being drafted as the lead guy. Yeah, I think the... the when people think about Chase Edmonds, they think, oh, he's going to catch a ton of passes too, you know, and this was a, this was a team that was right in the middle of the NFL in terms of throwing to the running back position. And now you add AJ Green and Rondale Moore, and they're probably not going to go up in that department. So there's not as big a pie in the passing game for Chase Edmonds as I think people are sort of thinking there is. And then if you're not getting the love that, you know, you're, you're, kind of secondary to James Conner in the running game. Yeah, 
as, as Jake said, it's these guys probably at, the, at best should be even. They shouldn't they shouldn't be like a, a big disparity between either one of them. Two and a half round disparity in twelve team leagues between these two guys, and that feels like too much. And another point on the Chase Edmonds as receiver, what probably one of the two quarterbacks who uh, takes away the most dump off passes to his running backs by virtue of the way he runs himself. I would say Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson are the two guys who are at the top of that list. So I think there's plenty of good reason for concern for Chase Edmonds if we are still going to be treating him as a top. 65, 70, even a top 80 pick when draft season really does roll around. One more backfield. Let's try to get through this one pretty quickly. San Francisco 49ers. Do you guys know that Trey Sermon has a higher ADP, at least in NFFC? Let me pull up the uh, everyman ADP, but Trey Sermon's got a higher ADP than Raheem Mostert. You know that's true? Shiny new <laughs> toy. Shiny that's, new toy syndrome. That's, that's, you, you lost all. This is why you draft early in other leagues, too, is because you could have had a great <laughs> discount on Sermon, and now it's essentially gone. It's, it was ruined for two reasons. It's because Mostert's missing time still and not 100%, mm-hmm. and then the injury to Jeff Wilson. So what happens? Right. You have the rookie. Like, again, something else I, I said back then is whether or not it was going to be from day one, Trey Sermon is the most talented running back in this backfield. If everybody's healthy, he's mm-hmm. the most talented running back. Now, whether yep. or not that meant he was going to get the most touches from day one probably wasn't going to happen. But if you give mm-hmm. me a most talented, Brandon said earlier, I'm going to chase talent. I was going to chase talent, and I was drafting Trey Sermon everywhere late. And dynasty drafts, he was falling to the third round, sometimes the fourth. Now he's in the second, pushing the first round in dynasty drafts. You just mentioned his ADP overall because people see it. People see the talent. And what do I always keep saying? Kyle Shanahan has the Midas touch of running backs. He makes everybody gold. It's true. If Mostert's mm-hmm. ready week one, I will say, again, say this. Mostert, it's the guy. He has to get past mm-hmm. Mostert. But Mostert's inability to stay healthy himself, it's the next man up situation. Jeff Wilson is out. Who's the next man up? Trey Sermon or Way Gallman? It's Trey Sermon. And I even said this. <laughs> there's, a zero, there's a non-zero chance that Elijah Mitchell for two or three weeks ends up the most valuable Family 49ers running back just yeah. because of attrition of who's left standing. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good it's a, such a good, you know, ripe backfield for production that as long I'm fine if Mostert stays healthy and Sermon stays healthy and it's just the two of them. I, you got two uh-huh. guys that are in the 20s uh in terms of running back production, I think. But the problem is you start getting Wayne Gallman mixed in there. If they start going New England on it, you know, where they're throwing in the third and what the fourth Trey running. Lance gonna do? Yeah. yeah, or what Trey Lance, Lance is going to get do. like two targets and a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Uzcheck, you know, Uzcheck's going to have like three, <laughs> three. If we, if we simulated this season a thousand times, Uzcheck would have like three point three receiving touchdowns. <laughs> exactly. 100%. <laughs> I was actually going to pull up this, to see what my projections have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Uh, okay, let's try to do this one actually really quick because it's just popped in my head. We got a lot of things I still want to get to, but if we 2. were in a league that Uzcheck. drafted, go ahead, two point five. Yep. If, if we were in a league that drafted team running back, where would the 49ers be ranked? Top five. Yeah, maybe top three. But yeah, I, they're they're elite for sure. Yeah, remarkable that that's, uh, that that's true. And we're still talking about one individual, maybe not even breaking into the top Shanahan, 20 man. here. Uh, yeah, so that's Kyle Shanahan, the Midas touch for running backs. As you say, Jake, let's get on. Let's get back to our uh, guess that player. Here is our second clue. Remember, we are talking about a quarterback here. And clue number two is of the six guys who have two wide receivers in the top 24, I am the only one who is not in the top 12 by ADP at the quarterback right. position. So this quarterback has two top 24 wide receivers. Six quarterbacks fit that. 
Hold on. The other five are all in the top 12 by ADP. This is the one guy who is not there. Uh, in the so top you can't 12 see, I'm not going to change it. I'm throwing my pen over there. So I just, because <laughs> I think I'm right. <laughs> I got, I got mine written down as well. <laughs> all right. I love it. But uh, no, Barkley's looking over there. She has no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> She's just gonna just gonna go pick that up and wonder what <laughs> no, you're, she's, what you're she's, why, she's on her leash next to my desk. <laughs> uh, before we move on to our next topic, I just wanted to throw this up here: a comment from Brandon right at the top of the show, not Brandon Funston, but Brandon Bright watching us on YouTube. It says zero RB is for losers. Yes, we love so, you, Brandon. Uh, keep <laughs> keep that in mind as you get ready to draft for yourself. Let's move on to another topic here. Something I wanted to talk to you guys about. We always talk about bust, sleepers, risk, reward, whatever the case might be. I think there's a big window, and we don't talk about this enough, of guys who we like, guys who we'll have on our team. But we understand there's a little bit of risk tied to them, maybe more risk than the market is seeing. So let's all go through and name one guy who we have on that list. Jake, you can go first here. Who do you like? But maybe a little bit of risk. Uh, I don't, it's, it's just not even so much, it is some risk, but also the price. I just can't do it, especially as top five, top six wide receiver. Uh, and again, sorry, Brandon, but I just can't do DK Metcalf. I don't have him anywhere. I don't think I'll have him anywhere. Uh, just going by my projections, I have him at wide receiver 10, which isn't huge drop, but people are drafting him top five, six. I've even seen him go high as three or four sometimes, uh, depending on if Devontae Adams falls in his situation. But I can't do it mostly because the second half of the season, his target volume and share pretty much held steady. He had a game or two with double digits just like the first half of the season. Most of the games were eight targets. Most of the games, he was still catching just as many. The biggest issue is that yards per air attempt and yards per reception dropped dramatically. And I'm not saying DK Metcalf, similar to my argument about Justin Herbert, can't take a step past and adjust to the NFL, which that's what happened. Defenses figured out, look, Seattle's doing their best they can in getting DK Metcalf his best opportunities, and good on Seattle. We've talked about that many times before. But you start rolling that coverage and limiting that, and now you're asking DK Metcalf to be something he's not, the inside route guy, the comebacks, that type of stuff. And I just don't know in this offense that he's not kind of just supplanting Tyler Lockett as the number one, which he already is, where it's, yes, he's a top 10 wide receiver. But the the roller coaster ride of getting there, I just can't take him top five. If you gave him his wide receiver 10, 11, 12, take him all day long. I just can't draft him where he's going. Yeah, it's amazing watching last year how long it took defenses to figure out Seattle. I mean, yeah. Russell Wilson was going over the top to DK mm-hmm. Metcalf at will in the first half of the season. Then they just started rolling safeties, you know, deep over the top and making sure that they just took away that deep ball. Um, it's going to be a completely different offense this year, but it's right. worth saying, it's worth saying that like DK Metcalf, I mean, you, you almost want to see how that, what that means for DK Metcalf and how, mm-hmm. and how, how that kind of transforms his kind of role or whatever, but you're still taking him top 10. It's just, yes. am I willing to take him top five? You know, given, you know, when you're taking somebody that high, you don't really want question marks. And there's a little bit of question mark coming in with DK Metcalf. So I get that. All right. I'm going to go second here, Brandon. You can save yours for third. Who do I like? but a little bit concerned about, and I could see actually not necessarily ending up with a ton of, it's Najee Harris. I think there's some serious risk of the bottom falling out on this Pittsburgh team this season, and that's really what has me most concerned about him. We know that it's not a great offensive line. It wasn't a great offensive line last year. They did add Trey Turner to the offensive line in the offseason, but it still projects probably as a 
middle-of-the-pack offensive line at best. I know the volume is almost certainly going to be there for Najee Harris in a big way, but I really do think there is some risk in the bottom falling out on this team. I think there's some risk in this being the worst team in the AFC North, and that's something that I'm going to be looking at uh, as I'm uh, rounding up my uh, futures bets for this season. And then what really puts it over the top for me, you guys, is the opportunity cost. And taking Najee Harris asks you to pass on some combination of Cam Akers, Tyreek Hill, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, who I still love if Aaron Rodgers is still a part of that team, Stephon Diggs, uh, Devontae Adams. Like, you're not going to, you're going to be passing on some of those guys to get Najee Harris. You would be able to fill that spot with one of those guys plus another one. And if you take Najee Harris, you're only going to get one of that group. And I just feel like that opportunity cost is a little bit too high. So while I understand the logic for loving Najee Harris, why we're seeing him drafted at the back end of the first or very early in the second round in 12 team leagues, it just feels like there are more risk factors tied to him than that assumes. And for that reason, I find myself very often going in an opposite direction. Uh, Jake, would you care to make a counter argument to that? Uh, you, well, why? Because you know, I love Najee Harris. Uh, what's his, <laughs> what's his RB, what's his RB only ADP? Well, that's I was just looking. It's uh, on Joe Public, you know. Uh, Joe it's Public. Ni- Joe Public. It's nineteen. What is it in NFFC though? Ten. It is yeah ten. Okay, yeah ten. Well, similar and, to before, Brandon. I split the difference. I have an RB thirteen, and you know I could be argued as one of the biggest, but obviously I'm not the biggest at ADP wise, but one of the biggest fans and the one who is since the draft was over have been saying this a million times over, and I'll continue to say it is we have. Year after year after year, two to three running backs who finish as RB1s in bottom 10 offensive lines. We have running backs nowhere near the top, you know, RB1 territory who are on top 10 offensive lines. Volume's king. And now you're not mm-hmm. wrong to include this better. And we said it at the time, and I've admittedly said it is like, if you want to split the difference, if you say, I don't want to take Najee Harris, I'd rather take Joe Mixon because I trust the offense more. And you could argue that offensive line is better at this point. That's fine. You're splitting a difference. But if you're going to say, and I know you're not saying this, but if you're saying, I'm not taking Najee Harris because of the offensive line, I'm going to draft Miles Gaskin instead. You're out of your damn mind. He's going to get 300 <laughs> plus touches. Mike Tomlin loves his yep. bell cow. But even at, the, I have nothing but positive things to say about Harris since and before the draft. He's still RB13 for me. Yeah. So, Beller, rank, rank Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, and David Montgomery. In that order. Mixon, Harris, Montgomery. There okay. you go. I want to say Montgomery. Yeah, I want to say Montgomery higher, but I just I, I I'm very worried about the role Tariq Cohen is going to play as it Thank relates you. to David Montgomery's fantasy value. Thank well, you. I think they're all similar. Massive volume. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I yeah, whether you know Cohen hit, mixes in or not, it's still shaky offensive lines. You know, potentially last place teams. So I'm just curious because I, I think they're all similar. Whoa. <laughs> you want, would you care to make the a bet Detroit on that if Lions? the Bears, if the Bears division, find buddy. the Lions in the <laughs> NFC North? Uh, I'll give the Lions be... a one and a half over under on wins okay. for the year. Third place team for Chicago. Sorry. <laughs> that would be, I mean, if that was, Matt Nagy would never be allowed to set foot in Chicago if the Bears somehow finish behind the Lions. All I'm saying is Howell or Rattler should start looking at houses in Detroit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, all right, Brandon, why don't you wrap us up here? Who do you got? I like him, but who you got? Uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, and he's. I'm seeing him in NFFC drafts going at nine, and I've I've been in drafts where he people will reach as high as seven. Like I haven't ranked twelve, and I haven't ranked as the as the last, uh, you know, QB one. But 
I have I have kind of like the same doubts that I had with Cam Newton all through his career. He's not a great thrower, and it's going to be all about the legs. And what if Philly doesn't like the fact that that he's not developing uh, as a passer? I mean, it's wor- he was the worst in the in you know among quarterbacks last year in adjusted completion percentage. I wonder about him in a in a rhythm passing game. I worry about the inexperience of his of his lead receivers. And, and the lack of size of them and just all the other issues that Philadelphia had that we expect are just going to go away because a couple offensive linemen are suddenly healthy. Like I, I just, I'm, I'm out as, as reaching into the top 10 for him. He'll never fall to me in the 11, 12 range. So that's why I'm kind of like, I like him, but I'll never have him. So uh, that's where I'm at. Let me follow up here really quick. So if you, you you said you had him at QB 12 or QB 13? QB 12. So who are the players that you have boosted over him that we're typically seeing go behind him? Uh, I'm bringing up my rankings right now. So I go – I got Brady and Tannehill right ahead of him. Okay. And then right – Jake? And no. I, I got Trevor Lawrence, QB 13. <laughs> there you go. No, Jake? No. Not feeling that? No, no. Well, okay, so projections right now – Tom Brady and Jalen Hurts are separated by 15 fantasy points. We want to talk ADP cost, uh, depending on what you're looking at and what I've seen in some drafts. I'll take Jalen Hurts every single time, but it depends. That I, I think if anything we could agree to is quarterback ADP is almost one of the not most worthless, but it's just yeah. going to depend on <laughs> it's going to depend on your draft. I've been in drafts where Hurts yep, has yep. gone three rounds later. Uh, I've been mm-hmm. in drafts where he's gone in front of Tom Brady. What it yeah. comes down to for me, and this is part of the article, if anyone goes to read it, is the breakout quarterbacks. Is Hurts is my pick. I'm not disagreeing with anything Brandon said. You know, the, the fact is he was one of the most inaccurate passers last year. He was also in an offense that wasn't built for him. He was also in an offense where his number one wide receiver was Travis Fulgham, who I love from ODU. Everybody knows that. <laughs> but in real life, he's at NFL number three, probably number four. Jalen Rager was miscast yeah. outside. Dallas Goddard wasn't healthy for most of the season. Zach Ertz wasn't healthy for most of the season. This yeah. just offense was, and the offensive line was on the third The string. line was, yeah. There was like dudes that people have never even heard of that they were trying to call up. I think uh, that might have played in the XFL. <coughs> they were trying. <laughs> I'm getting choked up over here. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> but for fantasy you. purposes, what it comes down to, and this is one of the things I said is, you guys know this. I hate the next Josh Allen. I hate that. He's one out of fifty. He's not the commonality. Yeah. But Josh Allen was as inaccurate as Hertz was his first season. Mm-hmm. You build an offense. You get talent around him. And then for fantasy, what I'm going to come down to is the main point here is go back to that article. What did I say? Daniel Jones last year threw 13 touchdowns. um, Didn't even throw for 3,000 yards. Actually, was it 12 touchdowns? It was something miserable. All you take Daniel Jones numbers from last year, which wasn't a full season, it was god-awful, and give him 700 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns, he's QB 11. It's fantasy. It's the legs. Unless he loses (laughs) the job, he's going to finish top Which isn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit, just as like a let's dismiss this topic when they sign Nick Mullins, right? We read like, could he lose the job? Nick Mullins is semi competent and has won some games in San Francisco. They have He's Joe Flacco, the job. so I will say Brandon's not wrong to yeah. say like there is a chance where they just decide, look, Hertz isn't our future. We're drafting our quarterback next year. Let's just go to Flacco. I don't think it will happen, but I'm not saying it's an impossibility. I mean, how bad would things have to get for that to happen? Well, I could see it, it being like he's like just struggling. It could struck- even be run-of-the-mill 4-13 bad. It would have to be 
ugly, ugly. I think I think it's more like they are slightly competitive, but maybe slightly under five hundred, and they feel like Jalen Hurts' inaccuracy Hurts is, is out holding. there throwing one hundred and eighty yards and two picks a game. Yeah, exactly. And the defense is playing its butts off, and they're feeling like you know what? If we just have a game manager in there, we're probably doing ourselves better. Yeah. I think that, that's yeah. that's how it works. Yeah, it just it, it just it, it can't happen. So. I understand the the wariness the on Wurtz because or on Hertz, excuse me, because of how much we're going to have to see him step forward as a passer to really, I think, take off in a way that he's being projected to take off in the fantasy world. Let's get to a few more things here before we wrap up the show. First, as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Let's, uh, let's account ourselves each about one minute for this next topic. Then we'll get to our guest that player payoff, and then we'll be done. Rule tweaks. All three of us are among the many people participating in the Scott Fish Bowl, which has a number of different fun, for the most part, rules uh, than we would normally see in a fantasy football league. So I thought we could all talk about some of our favorite rule tweaks. Brandon, you went last on the first one. How about you go first here? What's a rule tweak you would recommend to our listeners that could spice up their fantasy league? I, I like adding rules that are valuable in real life football. You know, in real life, turnovers are huge, and we all already account for that in fantasy football. But moving the chains and big plays, explosive plays. So rewarding points for moving the chains with first downs is something that we've incorporated in my league. And I think it's, I think it's a good add on where a lot of frivolous additions that are just stupid because people want to get more <laughs> points. I think first yeah. downs is meaningful. And I also think, uh, big plays. Plays of 20 plus, 40 plus yards, especially scoring plays, um, depending on your platform that you use. Some allow it for just straight yardish plays that aren't scoring. Some make it a scoring bonus on big plays. Whatever you're able to do, I think it's it's fair to put some value into adding uh, points for that as well. Yeah, I like that. I'm a, I'm a fan. I don't, I don't typically love yardage bonuses. I think points for first downs is an interesting way to rejigger some of the way we value players. Jake, of course, hates it. 
I know one thing Jake and I both don't like is tight end premium. I can't stand tight end oh, premium. Oh, yeah, I wrote an article about that. But as I, as I preference <laughs> the article for tight end premium, as I'll preference what I'm about to say of why I don't like first down point, like what play how you want to play. Like Brandon played That's in week 17 before he we went to sure. the, like this yeah. new week 18. Play how you want to play. I don't like points for first down the same reason I don't like full point PPR. I don't see a one-yard run on third down being more valuable than the nine yards it took to get there. There's that's how about points per success rate run. Well, just, let me that, just say, let me just say, <laughs> I play in a league that does full point PPR or like three quarter point PPR, and we do one quarter point first down. I'm a big fan of decimals. We do four and a half points for a passing touchdown. Like, why not? If if no, you got so, decimal scoring, well, that's what I was going to say, Brandon. If you want to look at my home, you said more points. People like more points. I've said that a million times. If you want artificial points, mm-hmm. not to say artificial. Stop with artificial. Use real. So my home league. This isn't my most favorite rule change but it's a point and a half for 10 yards a point and a half for 25 yards passing because yards then you know you start to push away the luck of touchdowns and you get more points for what should be most valued is yards and also the one thing you didn't mention too is we also do yards allowed for defenses which a lot of sites don't do because that's Mm -hmm. more telling too but my favorite this is goes back to the first time i ever met adam ronis over 10 years ago double headers one against your opponent, one of you know the top six scores or five, depending on how many league you're, the top half of the league scoring gets an extra win. The top, bo- the bottom of the league gets the extra loss. If you're the second highest scoring team, worst case scenario, you go one and one. By the time you get to the playoffs, you generally have the best five, if not six teams, and it just helps mm-hmm. eliminate some of that luck while you're sitting there and like looking at the scoreboard, going, "I just lost 120 and 115." This box score is 90 to 88. F those dudes. Like, you know, this is a, <laughs> yeah. double headers, I think, is one of the best things anybody can do. I love double headers, too. And I love this more as the, I think this is a better way to even out the luck in the standings rather than awarding a playoff spot based on points scored. Yeah. But yeah, but awarding a playoff spot based on points scored is fine. But I think if that's what you're going for. Double headers, I think, is just a yeah. better fix. And there's variations like victory point points and stuff like that. There's like variations yeah. of it out there. Plus, it's not usually one team that's getting screwed. It's more than right, that. Right. And so if you have that one wild card spot for the highest score, there's still, you know, probably multiple teams that are getting yeah. screwed over. Yeah, I absolutely love double headers. I love it. Just It's just a fun way to do it and to even things out a little bit. I think another fun way to even things out a little bit happens once you get to the playoffs. And that's where we're going to find my rule tweak. How often have you been the number one seed in your playoffs and you get a buy in the first round and then you're matched up against someone who was the sixth seed to make the playoffs, but they had the second most points in the league and they come in, they win their first round matchup. And now you as the one seed have to play someone who's probably the second best team in the league just to get to your fantasy championship. It sucks. We all see it happen and it kind of sucks. So something I like to do, something we do in my home league, Let's let the top seed in each playoff round choose who they play among whoever's available. So if it's a 16 playoff, top two get buys. The three seed gets to pick any of the other three teams that they want to play. Then those teams move on. The one seed gets to pick anyone who they want to play. It gives you a little bit of trash talking material as well. Oh, you want to play me? Now I'm going to take you out. It's just a lot of fun and a way that also evens things out once we get to the playoffs. So that's uh, that's something we, uh, that I like to try to incorporate in leagues where it's a, where people are amenable to it. I, I I don't mind that in our my home league we do there's no seeding, so the top top four you know play or like the two buys and then the four left play the two scores advance next round two scores advance oh, it's, and then the championship it's basically like your uh, it's like your double header yeah. rule but you throw out the the head to head you throw out the head to head. 
Yeah. And then actually that helps yeah. sometimes Monday night still be interesting because you could have, you know, the fourth scoring team instead of a head to head could be right. dead and have nothing left or whatever. That game might be over, whereas you still have something for Monday night, too. So just another variation of that. Always fun to find great rules in fantasy leagues, right? There, We've been playing this game for so long, and so many of the rules have become entrenched that we don't think about them. But, you know, take some time to think about them. You might be able to spice up your league in a way that you like. Let's wrap things up here, guys. we got one more clue, and then we'll pay off Guess That Player, and we'll talk about him for a little bit. So, uh, clue number three. I'll put it up on the screen first. I have been... A top 12 quarterback in four of my six seasons as a starter. That is true. I'll give you a bonus. Top five quarterback twice this guy has yeah. been. So this guy. Wait, he's only played six seasons? Top tw- no, as a as starter. A he was, he played trying. behind, he played behind RG3 for a couple of years. That was, okay. That's a- <laughs> he, he might have, he might have played by RG3 really quick. Let me just go over these, uh, these why clues. Can't, can't. One of six quarterbacks <laughs> with two top 24 wide receivers by ADP. The only one who is not among the top 12 quarterbacks of those six. And finally, a top 12 quarterback in four of six seasons. He's also been a top five quarterback twice. Who is it, guys? Jake, you got it? I got Cousins, got but I'm like, down? Can, can you see the Cousins? It's like... No, it's you got like oh, a halo going. I, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Hold on. I don't think that's what you Hold did. Hold on a second. Can I black out my like computer screen? Is that... There you go. Try it now. <laughs> it looks like it's darker. Oh, yeah. I Yeah. yeah okay. There okay. There Kirk it is. Cousins. <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, you guys. There, there's, there's some cognitive dissonance in his ADP, isn't there? I mean, I know he doesn't Could you run. see it? He, yes, we can okay. see it there. <laughs> I took that. He doesn't everything. run, and we love we want our quarterbacks to run. But Justin Jefferson, top seven wide receiver by ADP. Adam Thielen, top twenty, top twenty-two wide receiver by ADP. Dalvin Cook, great in the receiving game, a consensus number two, maybe number three, certainly top three pick. And here we've got Kirk Cousins as QB sixteen. I know he doesn't run, but can I? I mean, it feels like something's got to be off. Either Kirk Cousins is going to be better than QB sixteen. Or like Adam Thielen's going to be wide receiver forty. Let me something just like let that. me just say something here. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Ben Roethlisberger. Go look at the rankings of three receivers on their team <laughs> last year, and then go look at the rankings of the of quarterback. Yeah, exactly. So, it doesn't always work out that way. No, especially and, when. And, yeah. What what I'll say too to on Kirk Cousins is if you look at his points per game, the biggest thing with Kirk Cousins is also he's playing. 16 games every damn year like that that's the biggest thing you have guys you know if you look at points per game actually i'll even pull it up like where do you finish points per game last year and i think that's the bigger thing is we're trying not to qb 14 i'm not as far as i thought he would have fallen but you know qb 14 still is the way you mentioned is he doesn't run similar what's the difference between matt ryan and Kirk cousins they do it all the time they can they can hit qb one but they have to throw Mm -hmm. And you take that away, like that is why I go back to the Jalen Hurts is why I'd rather just wait on Hurts than take Tom Brady because Tom Brady went ballistic last year for Tom Brady. And not saying yeah. he can't again, yes. but even if he's 90% Tom Brady, now he goes from QB 10 to QB 16 just like that. Plus, it is, a, it is a good thing to keep in mind that Tom Brady had that season he had last year, 40 touchdowns, 4,600 yards. He also ran for three touchdowns and was still QB 7. I mean, can you imagine as recently as like 2013 what a 40 touchdown, 4,600 yard quarterback would be in the fantasy ranking? Be QB1. Yeah. Almost like without question. Well, Maybe there's it, someone else who was just as good as him. Maybe QB2. And per game, he was QB10. You take away 
five touchdowns, which sounds like aggressive, but is it really? He still throws for 35. Still throws for 35. You drop yeah. him to QB 12. We love rushing. We love rushing at this quarterback position. Something we don't love rushing is rushing through this show. We just gave you a solid hour on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. So thanks for sticking with us here on YouTube, whether we're just maybe in your ears also on Spotify, Apple, wherever the case might be. Thank you for sitting here and listening with us. We hope you enjoy. We hope you'll be back with us next week because me, Brandon, and Jake certainly will be right back here talking much more fantasy football one week from now. Until then... Thank you for listening. Have a great day. We'll talk to you later on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast.